Heritage Park Baptist Church, we make apprentices to Jesus Christ. For more information about our church, please visit heritagepark.org. So back in the fall, I want to set this up just for a moment. Back in the fall, um, there was a research a study that was released. It's called the uh, State of Theology Survey. And they do exactly that. They, they take kind of the state, they, they try to get an assessment of, of what is the state of, of understanding traditional Christian evangelical uh, theology in the American church. Uh, it was released back in, uh, I think it was October is when Tyler and I started talking about. And guess what the results were? They were terrible, awful. Like, oh my gosh. And it had gotten uh, precipitously worse from, they do it every couple of years, it had gotten precipitously worse from uh, the two years prior. So um, as that kind of landed on me and I'm thinking through it and talking with a couple of folks about it, um, we're going to do a series um, running, up to, um, running up to spring break where we will um, just talk about uh, some of the big pillars uh, of our faith and try to shore those up a little bit if you have questions in your mind. But also, in addition to that, how many of you grew up in a church where uh, sometimes they call them higher church, uh, you know, Methodist, Episcopal, um, even Catholic, where where you have, um, you would have either confessions or creeds or something like that you would do as a normal part of this? Anybody? A few of you. Okay, great. Um, we're going to, for the next several weeks together, read what is called the Nicene Creed. Um, here's what we're not going to do. Uh, we're not going to be bored out of our mind. In fact, it got so hot and heavy in the 830 service. I was shouting up here. I was all excited about some of the things that were, uh, we were reading together. But it is both a moment of worship as well as a moment of instruction. So kids in the room still here, all of us here. I want you to stand up. We're going to read this together and hear... Here is how we're going to start over the next, some of you, it's going to be weird. You'll be like, I ain't never done this in church before. That's all right. We'll be, we'll, I have never done it before this morning. So I just so we'll be, we'll be okay together. Here's how we're going to start. I'm going to say, church family, what do we believe? And then we'll start reading together. You ready? Church family, what do we believe? We believe in one God, the Father Almighty, the maker of heaven and earth and of all things visible and invisible. And in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, the one begotten from the Father before all the ages, light of light, true God of true God, begotten, not made, being of one substance with the Father, through whom all things came into being, who for us and for our salvation came down from heaven and became flesh by the Holy Spirit and the Virgin Mary and became man and was crucified for us under Pontius Pilate. He suffered and was buried and on the third day he rose again in accordance with the scriptures and ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of the Father and he shall come again with glory to judge the living and the dead whose kingdom shall have no end. And in the Holy Spirit, the Lord and life giver, the one who proceeds from the Father and the Son who with the Father and the Son together is worshipped and glorified, who spoke through the prophets and in one holy Catholic and apostolic church, we confess one baptism portraying the forgiveness of sins. We look forward, 
sorry, we look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the age to come. Amen. Woo! Okay, have a seat. Yes, you can clap for that. That's perfectly fine. I get all fired up about that. I'm just feeling strong. Um, if you grew up um, with those kind of creeds or confessions, saying those things out loud, um, uh, man, good for you. Uh, as I said, I hope it's instructive, but I also hope it's worshipful uh, because when we start talking about the truths of the scripture, um, they, they should not just enlarge our minds. They also should inflame our hearts. And so th- there might very well in the days to come be a moment where one of those phrases just hits you and you're like, excuse me, people, I need to have a moment here while we read this creed together. That's perfectly fine if that's the case. Um, in, in the... Um, in this past Monday night, many of you actually saw this live if you're a Monday night football watcher. Uh, you, you saw um, two people collide. And um, DeMar Hamlin get up from that, takes two steps, and basically die on national TV. And had there not been an AED and some other like really quick-thinking medical folk involved, uh, that's exactly what we would have seen. And you've seen the... Uh, reports coming out. He's texting and has good mental faculties and all that kind of stuff. Fantastic. Um, You saw also players on the field stop to pray. You saw an ESPN anchor say, look, I mean, he's reading tweets, you know, prayers for this family, prayers for him, prayers for that. And he's, I mean, uh, I think it was the Bills maybe organization. We believe in the prayer of prayer. He's like, I do too. I don't know if this is right or not, but I think we should pray. And he starts praying on ESPN, on the broadcast. It, by the way, he got grief for that, but from the, both the right and the left, the left was like, bro, how are you going to pray on? Like, this is not appropriate. The right was like, you didn't pray in Jesus name. I mean, come on. Like you can't win at that point. Why did people lean on that in that moment in such a, I mean, you know, live, like it was in that moment, it was, you know, why did people lean on that? Because there are things in our lives that when the chaos comes, when the fire starts, when the floods roll in, when something happens, we just go, I don't know what to do. I'm going to plant my feet right here on what I know. These are pillars, if you will, that we lean on, that, that the, the building of our lives leans on, that holds us up, even when craziness um, or chaos or death or destruction happens. And so this series, I, I, the, the point is just to remember this. I, I think the vast majority of what we will say will be things that you know. I want you to remember them. Why? Because they are pillars of the faith. And today we start with a super easy one, the Trinity. I'm really terrified, actually. I I was in the 830 and the dread is coming up over me again. Um, And if you're not familiar with the doctrine of the Trinity, um, this is something that we lean on. Here it is stated. There is one God eternally existing in three persons. That's the doctrine of the Trinity, just as succinct as we can make it. Everybody good? You got that? All right, let's pray. Amen. 
No, I'm just kidding. We, we don't, we, um, uh, the doctrine of the Trinity is, it is a uniquely and distinctly Christian, and it matters, which we'll talk about here in a moment, but I really want to get into the doctrine first so that we can understand why it matters. There's one God eternally existing in three persons, and we want to remember that. Um, somebody drew this up. They call it the Trinitarian shield. Here it is. Just think about that. Um, if for all you engineers in here, if you need that, there it is right there. Okay. You can grab a picture uh, of it. Um, the father is God, but is not the son. He is not the Holy spirit, but he is still God. The spirit is God, but not the son or the father and so forth and so on. That's the Trinitarian shield. Um, but bigger than that though, I really just want to kind of point to some places. And if you're a user of the Bible app, you'll see this already outlaid, um, in the app. I just want to point to some places in the old Testament and a couple of places in the new Testament where we see this. Okay. Um, this is Genesis chapter one. So right at the very front page one of the Bible, then God said, let us make man or mankind in our image after our likeness. So God singular, let us, let us, us is singular or plural, plural. Okay. Then God said, let, um, let us uh, make mankind or humanity in our image after our likeness. So our is both no, no, that's plural too. So let us, one God, still plural. That's kind of odd how that works. Um, so there's something there, something there. In the book of uh, Psalms, this is actually one of the ones that Jesus quotes in a fairly heated theological argument. Uh, in the book of Psalms, Psalm 110, verse 1, it's a Psalm of David. So King David's writing. And he says, the Lord, now if you're, looking at, um, if you're looking at the text, Psalm 110, verse 1, capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D, if you're not familiar with why it's written in all, written in all capitals in your Old Testament uh, copy of the scriptures, it's because that is the proper name of, of God as he revealed himself to Moses. So uh, Yahweh or Jehovah, depending upon the kind of tradition you grew up with, Yahweh, the great I am, that's who we're talking about here, that's his name. So when it says the Lord, he's talking about the I am, says to my Lord. Well, David's the king. How does he also have a Lord? So Yahweh says to the Lord of King David. You're like, that's some messed up math right there. Like, I don't know how that all works. I don't understand the org chart. Could somebody put this in an email? That would be great. The Lord says to my Lord, sit in my right hand till I make your enemies footstool. Uh, make um, your enemies uh, your footstool. Um, there's another place you can just write this down. We won't turn there. In Daniel chapter 7, uh, there's a vision uh, of uh, the Ancient of Days, is what he's called, this incredible, glorious God. And, and uh, one, like a son of man, rides on a cloud up and sits at his right hand. Now, if you're a New Testament person, that kind of makes sense because you know, as we confessed a while ago, that Jesus ascended to the right hand of God. And, and this is this. Is like, but if you're an Old Testament person, you hadn't got to Acts chapter 1 yet, you're like... I don't get it, man. I don't understand it. Ancient of days, but yet you've got this other being sitting at the right hand of God Almighty. In the Old Testament, we see it dimly. We do. In the New Testament, it gets a lot, lot more explicit. Uh, in Mark chapter 1, I'll just, we could do this all throughout, but in Mark chapter 1, the baptism narrative um, is this. Uh, verse 9, in those days, Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee uh, and was baptized by John. 
um, in the Jordan River. And when he came up out of the water, immediately he saw the heavens being torn open and the spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven. You are my beloved son with you. I am well pleased. So we've got Jesus, the son in the water goes down, comes back up just like we saw on video a while ago with Elijah, Jesus down and back up. And then he sees the, the heavens open and, and the spirit comes and the spirit's like a dove. So we've got the son in the water and the spirit coming down. And then you've got a voice and the voice speaks. And it's not the universe speaking. It's not the, uh, uh, the sun, uh, like the, the, some star speaking because he specifically says something. You are my beloved what? What? Son, which would imply that the one speaking is the father. That's exactly right. So you've got the father speaking his pleasure over the son. You've got the son in the water. And you've got the spirit coming down saying this, this is my beloved son. So we got that. Now, um, like literally on the page before, it's why I chose the Mark passage. We don't even have to turn. On the page before in Matthew chapter 28, uh, in verse 18, Jesus says, uh, he came to us and said, all authority in heaven on earth has been given to me. Uh, this is how and why we say around here, Jesus reigns over everything because all of it's his. That is a heck of a claim. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Spirit. Name, not names, in the name, singular, of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Spirit. Singular. Um, and teaching them to obey all I commanded, and uh, I'm with you always, even to the very end of the age. And we could go on all throughout the New Testament. Again, you can write these down, Second Corinthians 13, verse 14. Um, May the grace of our Lord Jesus and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. I mean, he, he closes Second Corinthians that way. In First uh, Peter um, chapter 1. He says, uh, this, is, um, this grace has been given to us by the foreknowledge of God and the sanctification of the Spirit and the sprinkling uh, from Jesus. And so we've got all of these kind of formula, Trinitarian formulae, all throughout uh, the New Testament. I'm saying that to say that this is an important thing because this is one of the things that comes up. I, I wouldn't say regularly, but I was talking with somebody who was, who was in the 830 service, and they said, oh, yeah, I just had that conversation like two weeks ago. Where they said, oh yeah, well, the word Trinity is not in the Bible, so you can't say it's biblical. I mean, that's true in the sense like the word's not in the Bible. That's true. Um, There are a lot of words that we use to talk about realities that aren't specifically mentioned in the places where we find those realities. In this particular case, the word Trinity is indeed not in the Bible. But from the first page to the last, it is taught throughout. The reality is there, even if the specific word is not. And what is that reality? That there is one God eternally existing in three persons. That's the doctrine as it's stated. And it's all throughout the scriptures. Um, we, we need to be a little, uh, we need to be a critic before um, we can apply this, okay? And so here, here are ways to become a heretic. If you've ever wanted to be a heretic in your Trinitarian theology, here are ways um, to do that. Uh, The the first one is, and and all of them have these little analogies with them. Uh, The first one is something called partialism. This is going to get a little academic, but y'all are smart people. You can hang with me, yeah? Okay, this section right here, I'm a little worried about you. Everybody else responded. I'm a little worried about y'all. You can hang with me for a few minutes, yes? 
Okay, I'm counting on you. Uh, partialism. Partialism is that thirds make up the whole. The Father is a third, the Son is a third, and the Spirit is a third. When you get them all together, what do you get? You get God, okay? Even the Trinitarian shield, Doug, can we put that up for just a second? Even the Trinitarian shield, if you think in partialism, you can actually see that. Because you got God kind of in the middle and these other three on the outside. That's not what it is intended to communicate, but there are times when we spin this up in our minds. Legend has it that St. Patrick, when he went and evangelized in Ireland, used the three-leaf clover as a depiction of the Trinitarian God against the other gods uh, of, of the, the pagans uh, that he was evangelizing. And so that's why it says three-leaf clover. You got, you know, this little piece over here and this little piece of the Father, Son, Spirit. But if you rip one off, you're like, oh, no, you know, whatever. The, Partialism teaches that it's one-third, 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 and you can get your mind a little wrong on that. You don't want to be like that. The second one is modalism. It's actually probably more um, prevalent um, in, our, in our day that each person is a manifestation. The God of the Old Testament, that's the Father. The God of the Gospels, Jesus, that's the Son. And the God of the, the like, acts on um, in, in the um, Scriptures that's the spirit. And each of it's, it's just one God, but he shows up in three different ways. That's modalism. Each person is a manifestation. The, the uh, kind of analogy that goes along with this, when people try to explain the Trinity, they're, well, it's kind of like water. You can have liquid, and you can have ice, and you can have vapor. Those would be three different manifestations of a water molecule. The problem is, is that particular water molecule never is liquid vapor and uh, um, solid at the same time. And this is, that would be the Trinitarian confession, modalism. Um, if, if you grew up in East Texas, uh, you, might have like I did, you might have encountered some people uh, who went to the United Pentecostal Church. Uh, this, this is in that realm for them. Um, th they are non-Trinitarian in that way. Uh, here, here's a third one. Um, simple, very simple, tritheism. There's three gods. They like one another a lot, and so they get along. Kind of like you and your family. Like, yeah, I mean, we mostly like each other, so we get along. You could call us one family, but we're, we're different people. Tritheism is three gods. Um, I put this up there because the, uh, the, the example, because the Jehovah's Witnesses, when they come knocking on your door, hey, we'd like to, we've got some literature for you, and we'd like to hand this out, and if I'm in a particularly sparky mood, I try to engage them a little bit about this. Um, and they say, oh, oh, so what you're telling me is one plus one plus one is equal to one, right? I'm like, well, first of all, God can do math however he wants to. He like invented the thing. I mean, it's, it's God. He can do what he wants. But really what we confess, somebody math helped me, is that one times one times one is equal to one. <laughs> this is their thing. Um, Jehovah's Witnesses are non-Trinitarian also, and, and they actually accuse Christians, um, evangelical Christians, of, of tritheism, that there are three gods. There's not. There's one God, eternally existing in three persons. Last one um, is uh, subordinationism. There's not a real clean way to explain this, but it, it goes something like this, that the Spirit and the Son come from the Father, but they're not the same as the Father. And the analogy that sometimes people try to use to explain the Trinity that would display this is they talk about the sun, the big, you know, boiling hot star, 93 million miles away, and that uh, we experience the sun as heat and light. 
but we don't have the substance itself. Well, the problem is, is that heat and light come from the sun, but they're not the same as the sun. Everybody understand that? Again, this is a little academic, but shake your head if you're with me. So one more time, our Trinitarian confession, the confession, the doctrine uh, that the Bible teaches is one God eternally existing in three persons. You ever heard the phrase, you ever heard the phrase, um, uh, uh, it, it, it matters not one iota or something like that? Yeah. Literally in 325, when the Council of Nicaea was happening, they were arguing over one iota, like a, the Greek letter I, because the, the confession of the church up to that point was that Jesus and the Spirit were homo, same, usios, uh, substance, same stuff. And the, the people who were working against them were homoi, there was an iota at the end, H-O-M-O-I. Homoiousness, kind of like it. Uh, similar stuff is what they were saying. They were literally arguing over one iota. And, and in this particular case, our confession is one God eternally existing in three persons. That, that, that's where we are. Okay. So what? I mean, like, okay, so we're, you know, like 16 minutes into a sermon here. Why in the world are we talking about Trinitarian theology? It's a pillar on which we stand. It's revealed from the first page of the Bible to the last page of the Bible. Um, It is consistent all throughout. It is seen more clearly in places than others. But okay, so what? Um, Here's the so what. Uh, I'll I'll try to give you some things to think about here. Uh, First of all, this is the God that we know. When we say we have come to know God, this is the God that we know. This is the one that we are relating to. This is the one that we have chosen to follow. This is the one that we are saying, you have my allegiance and you have my affection and all of my hope is singularly in you. All of this stuff about heaven that we sung about a while ago, you, God, are going to make this happen. And this God is one God um, eternally existing in three persons. This is the God we know. What do we know about this God? Number one, he's a personal God. He's a personal God. God. One God um, eternally existing in three persons. Why is this important? Is anybody a fan of the mercy of God? Anybody? Oh, me, for sure. I'm a big fan of the mercy of God, but things don't show mercy. He's personal in his, like in his being, he is personal. Items don't execute justice in the earth. Personal. He's a personal God. Secondly, he's equally God, um, meaning you don't have to go uh, to one person of the Trinity for one thing and another for something else. And I'll just explain it like this. Anybody ever had the joy of calling the customer service line at pick your favorite company? I'm calling 1-800. Here's my customer service line number. Hi, thanks so much for being on hold for eight minutes already. I hope you liked our hold music. What can I help you with? Oh, well, I have a question about my bill. Great, let me get you to the billing department. They transfer you to billing. Uh, I'm sorry, uh, yes, here, here I'm, I've been on hold for two and a half minutes already. Again, can, can I ask a question? Here, here's my question. Oh, well, I'm sorry. Your question is specifically um, about your whatever, whatever. That's actually um, a question that gets answered by our IT department. Hold, please, I'll transfer you. You get transferred to IT. IT picks up. 
Hi, this is Bob in IT. How can I help you? Well, I have a question about this because this has come down. I have no idea why they sent me to you. Because, I, I, I mean, I'm like a programmer. Why in the world would they? In fact, I don't even like talking to people. Let me transfer you back to the main operator. Just a moment. And you send it back and you finally, you know, ah. sometimes, you may not think about it this way, but sometimes you might interact with God this way. Like, I want to go to the Father for justice because I got some people that, they need some justice in their lives. Oh, Jesus, though, he's all about mercy. Like, if I go up showing, asking the Father for mercy, I, I, I'm pretty sure he'll be like, uh, that, that's actually the Jesus department. Give me just a moment. Let me transfer you. Oh, well, I need some power at work in my life because I'm really scared and I'll be sure want to overcome this. Or I've got this addiction cycle in my life and I want freedom from it. And the Bible says where the Lord is the Spirit, there is freedom. And so I'm going to the Spirit for freedom. Um, uh, but, but, uh, you know, and, but, you know, I'm pretty sure Jesus has the resurrected one. He's the one with power. So I go to him. He's like, I actually know you misread that scripture. The Holy spirit is the power part. If, if you'll just hold just a moment, equally God, when the father shows mercy, the son and the spirit are in that they're in the mercy showing business too. When the Spirit gives us power to live in the freedom that Jesus has purchased for us and that the Father has ordained for us, all of them are in on the freedom scene. You don't have to go to one department to get this and another department to get that. That's not how this works, even though at times I think we relate to God in that way, equally God. Thirdly, worthy God, meaning um, the Spirit is worthy of praise and Jesus is worthy of praise and the Father is worthy of praise. And at no point do any of them, uh, at no point do any of them um, get jealous. Uh, Holy Spirit, thank you for coming into my life. And, and Jesus be like, hey, I'm the reason he's in your life. Hello. That's not how that works in the Trinity. That's not at all how it works. They're all, the personal God is, they're all equally God and they're all worthy. And so when we go to praise God, any person within the Trinity, we go to praise. They receive glory in that way. Uh, fourthly, there's a relational God. No, no, uh, underworthy, no person within the Godhead gets offended upon worship or prayer. In relational God, um, um, they are uh, uh, relating to one another long before creation came about. I told this story. Um, it, this is, again, the stuff of legend, but it's a funny story. Uh, <clears throat> St. Augustine uh, who was part of the early theological confessions of the church. Uh, he's in that mix. Um, a, a kid came up to him and said, uh, you know, Pastor Augustine, um, what, what do you think God was doing before he created the world? And Augustine is alleged to have said back to him, well, I think he was creating hell for people who ask those questions. <laughs> I don't know that that's what he said. I just thought it was a funny story. Because sometimes kids are precocious and ask those kinds of questions. Here's the answer. You ready? He was perfectly happy and giving and receiving love to the other members of the Godhead. Because this is what he... So I'll just put, put it to you this way. Put your thinking caps on. Um, we talked about this a couple of weeks ago. Three different specific, what are called ontological confessions about God. God is spirit. He is empowered personality without, you know, a body. Secondly, God is light. There is no darkness or defect in him. And the third one, in First John chapter 4, God is... This is the famous one. God is... Love, love. In order for God to be love, he has to have a, 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 the lover and the beloved. There has to be an object of the beloved. And what was he doing before creation? Was he not love before creation came on the scene? If he requires creation to be love, then guess what? 
He's not really all that love, and he is dependent upon us. But because God is Trinity, the Father was loving the Son. And the Son was thoroughly enjoying the Father. And on and on and on. We could go like this. This is where this comes down. Please hear me say this. Again, I'm trying to make it really practical at this point. Why in the world does that part matter? Because God wants a relationship with you and with me. The same kind of relationship. Jesus actually prayed this in John 17. Make all of us one as you, Father, are in me and I am in you and we are one. Like, make it all happen. And furthermore, the very same love. This is John 15, verse 9. Jesus says this. The very same love that the Father has for me is the love that I have for you. Now abide in that love. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in that love. So just picture that. Long before eternity, uh, excuse me, long, long before creation happened, long before any of that stuff, there was an eternal, passionate, incredible, um, relational, beautiful love in the, uh, in the Godhead that was happening there. And with that same love, he loves you. That's what you need to know. That is Amazing. Lastly, he's the mysterious God, meaning what? Um, That you cannot fully comprehend him, but we can know him. You can't fully comprehend it, but you can know him. Um, There are things that can be true, and there are things that are true, that I don't fully wrap my mind around or can't fully wrap my mind around, but that doesn't change the fact that they're true. I can confess them even though I don't fully comprehend them. Church family, listen, as we follow Jesus, as we walk with God through our days, there are times when he will call us to things and let us be a part of things or show us things that we don't fully comprehend, but we can say, that's true, that's good, that's right, that's just, that's loving, that's merciful, whatever. He's been mysterious. And I say that to say this. There are times when, uh, well, I'll just speak for me. If I fully comprehended all of this, I would be prone to use that as a lever to manage or manipulate God instead of worship him. It matters because God is knowable even though he might be mysterious. This is the God we know. Let me bring it down for us here. Who knows our student pastor, Jarrett. Yeah, good, good, good. So what you can say about Jarrett is, I would stand up here and be like, dude, he's a rabid Chicago Cubs fan, and he loves the Atlanta Falcons. And frankly, this is just a little insight. His favorite shoe is New Balance. And for those of you who have any clue about how I'm talking about Jarrett right now, what would you know? I'm up here dead wrong, dead wrong. He does not like the Cubs. He is St. Louis Cardinals all the way through. You don't have to like him for that, but that's reality, okay? Furthermore, um, he doesn't care a lick about the Atlanta Falcons. In fact, I'm not even sure he knows that Atlanta has a football team because he is solely and fully focused on, Jared, the Chiefs, the Kansas City Chiefs. KC is where he's from. That's reality. And uh, for you students in the room, you will know that New Balance, in fact, I have been made fun of because at one point I had a pair of New Balance shoes and he made fun of me. Hey, those are dad shoes. I'm like, I am a dad. (laughs) 
multiple times over, I think I've earned the right to wear dad shoes. But you would know, you would know that his favorite brand of shoes is not New Balance, but instead is, students, Nike, hands down, right? In particular, blazers, Nike blazers. He said this in the first service, size 11, in case you're looking for a Christmas gift, okay? (laughs) This is the God that we know. That's the Jarrett we know. But, But more than just facts about him, Three in one, one in three. That's important. But more than just facts about God or facts about Jared. Like, did you, some of you may or may not know, he has an identical twin. That shapes everything about him. That, that thinks, that profoundly affects the way that he looks at the world and interacts with the world. That, that's part of his story and helps me understand how he's relating in the world. So with God, you can know, you don't want to be wrong on the facts, that's true. But you also want to understand, as you come to know this God, God, one, one God eternally existing in three persons, one in three, three in one. I don't know how it all shakes out, but this is the reality. I don't have to fully comprehend it in order to confess that it is true. This is the God that we know. And the more I lean into that, the more I come to know him and understand him. I may not comprehend all of it. But I get that. Two more things, quick. Um, this is the God that we know. So what? This is the God that we know. Secondly, this is the model for community for us. You, you want to know how God designed us to relate to one another, in particular in the church, but also elsewhere. It, it is a, a, the, the beauty of diversity within equality. Everybody's equal. Everybody has gifts. Um, everybody has value. Everybody has those things. In 1 Corinthians, this is in the Bible app, I know, but in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, uh, verses 4 to 6, here's what he says. As soon as I can get there. Now, there are varieties of gifts, but the same spirit. There's the spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. There's Jesus the Son. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all and everyone. So we've got all three there. And what's the point here of this particular part? Because in Corinth, they were fighting with one another. Oh, you've got this gift? That's like a B-class gift. I've got the A-class gift. Ha, ha, ha. This is the fight that they were having. Oh, yeah, you folks, you you should probably sit over there because you're part of that group and over here. No, no. Paul comes along and goes, look, the Spirit brings all of this together, and you need to know, and he does so to uh, model for us this idea of diversity within equality. Therefore, I can rejoice when something good happens in your life without jealousy. I can step into your grief and frustration without claiming it um, as my own. I I can do all of this. It is the model of community. Again, I point you back to John 17. Jesus prays, Father, just like you and I are one, please make them one. This is what we want. Last thing. It's also the model for mission. It's also the model for mission. In John uh, chapter 15, just um, 
where I was uh, uh, coming from just a few minutes ago, John chapter 15, um, when, verse 26, when the helper comes, whom I will send to you from the father. So we got the spirit, we got the father and Jesus is speaking. That's the son. And when the helper comes, I will send you from the father, the spirit of truth who proceeds from the father. He will bear witness about me. So the father sent Jesus, Jesus and, and the father are sending the spirit to you and me. The spirit does what points us back to Jesus. That's what happens. And he says, don't miss this part. Verse 27. And you also will bear witness. Meaning if the spirit has taken up residence, you, the spirit that came from the father and the son and is pointing us back to the son. If the spirit takes up residence in you, then guess what? Then we also will point to Jesus. We are sent with him to the places where he's at work. We are sent with him to the places where he's moving. We are sent with him into classrooms and into um, tough relational situations and into offices and into Zoom meetings, and into all the other places where we get to go. We are sent with him, and if the Spirit resides in us, the Spirit that came from the Father and the Son, if he resides in us, then we, he in us, is going to be pointing to Jesus. And we get to be a part of that process. We are sent with him. When Jesus said at the end of the Great Commission, and I will be with you always to the very end of the age, he's talking about putting his Spirit inside of us, that will consistently point us back. There he is. There's Jesus. Let's follow Jesus together. This is the God that we know. This is the basis for how we relate to one another. And this is the reason why we step out in mission. We are sent with him. I'd like to pray for us. Ask God to help us lean on this pillar and then we'll have a a moment to respond and some announcements. But just pray with me first. Um, Father, man, it's heady and at times even heavy how we process this and work through this. Um, I simply pray that you, by your Holy Spirit, um, would make it clear for us, not just why it matters to us. It matters because it's who you are. Uh, But how are we supposed to live in light of it? And so please open up our eyes to see how we're supposed to live in light of it. Grant us light for that. Grant us light for that. Um, I I, I pray... um, I just sense this is what you want me to do. I, I pray for any particular person or any particular relationship that really needs your power to be at work within it. I pray that the hope for that would come from the reality that you are one God in three persons, the relational God. And and because that's in your nature, that's what you replicate in people who follow you. And because that's what you replicate in people who follow you, it's never without hope. Grant us that kind of hope, even for this moment right here. Help us to process, receive what you have for us here. Help us to say, man, these things are true, even if I don't fully grasp them, comprehend them. Give you all of that now in Jesus' name. Amen, amen.